to 25 and reading from verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, in needing of clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Well, we're looking at this uh, passage this morning from Matthew 25. Um, familiar words, I'm sure, to uh, many people. And of course, uh, as Ian has already introduced, the theme for this uh, morning's BMS Harvest is hungry. And uh, this parable, uh, a parable about Judgment Day, perhaps. Um, Jesus... Uh, paints a picture, a picture that would have been very familiar to his hearers. Uh, because in the countryside around where Jesus lives, the, the sheep and the goats would have probably grazed together. Uh, but at the end of the day, they would have been separated, the sheep, be, the sheep being a bit more uh, sturdy with their thick uh, woolly coats, would have been able to uh, cope with the cold weather more than the goats. So this picture that Jesus paints... Uh, is a picture that would have been very familiar uh, to those who were listening. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right and the goats on his left. certainly sounds like 
some sort of judgment is being made here, doesn't it? That this would seem to be uh, one of a collection of parables that Matthew has uh, near the end of his Gospels. In fact, this is the last parable that Jesus records, but he also has the parable of the talents and the parable of the ten virgins. Uh, that follows chapter 24 where he's talking about signs of the end of the age and the day and the hour of the return of the Son of Man. So these are parables about uh, the return of Jesus and uh, quite challenging uh, parables. Market research clearly shows that our core audience is uncomfortable with sermons that have to do with sin judgment and that whole hell thing so I'm not going to preach about uh, about sin and, and judgment and hell because that's not very popular um, but I would want to say um, a bit of a warning and uh, the first thing I want to say is beware of judging the hungry Beware of judging the hungry. For those of you who don't know who this is, this is a man that's very hungry. Hungry for uh, success, hungry for a win. Uh, David Moyes. And uh, at at some stage during his career, he will face a judgment day where people decide whether or not what he's done is good enough or not. And uh, that would seem to be on hold at the moment. And uh, the press and everybody else has been very kind to him because he's been he's new in his job. But a judgment day will come. And I guess there's a, in this parable, one of the, the warnings is that one day, a judgment day will come. That one day, a judgment day will come. Uh, but we have to beware of judging. We have to be aware, beware of judging. Rob Bell, we've not heard from him for a while, but this is what he says. Whenever people claim that one group is in, saved, accepted by God, forgiven, enlightened, redeemed, and everyone else isn't, why is it that those who make this claim are always part of the group that's in? Rob Bell, in his uh, somewhat controversial book, Love Wins, uh, asks why it is that those people that do make judgments about other people always seem to be standing in a position where we're the people that are in, we're the people that are saved, and the other people who think differently from us are the people that are outside. Uh, what Barab Bell is, is suggesting there is that people make judgments about other people, and somehow we become the people that decide who's in and who's out. Notice in the parable that Jesus tells, uh, do you notice who's doing the judging? Then the king will say, come you are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. Then he will say, who's he? The king. To those on the left, depart from me, you are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. What is clear from scripture is that it is the king that makes the judgments. That in this parable, he's the one that's separating sheep from goats. That it isn't our job to do that. Although many Christians uh, seem to embark on that. And some Christians even seem to enjoy that, which is always rather baffling to me, why people would enjoy suggesting that other people are not going to be saved. 
Beware of judging the hungry. And of course, in our, in our thinking this morning, helped by BMS, uh, particularly people can be quite judgmental, can't they, when it comes to issues of those that have not. It's very easy for us to be judgmental and say, well, the problems in Africa, uh, uh, they've made them themselves all these wars and injustice and fiddling. If they just sorted out uh, their own politics, there wouldn't be any people going hungry. And it's very easy, isn't it, to make judgments. But whenever there are wars, whenever there are uh, famines, it's always the poorest of the poor who suffer the most. It's always the poor who suffer. Climate change, uh, that again is another thing that's caused by humans. It's always the poor, the people that have no choice where they live. Some people say, well, it's silly to live in areas where there are flooding. Well, some people don't have any choice. Some people don't have any choice. Beware of judging the hungry. Uh, in the book, The Shack, William P. Uh, Young says, Judging requires that you think of yourself superior over the one that you judge. Whenever we make a judgment about somebody else and judge their lifestyle, judge the way that they live, what we're saying is that we're better. We're in a better place and so that we're making a judgment about you. And we put ourselves in a place that it would seem to me that Jesus is suggesting that we should not put ourselves. Because he is the one who at the end of the age we will all have to stand before. Beware of judging the hungry. Um, If you're interested in Judgment Day, we're going to be looking a little bit more about that at Cafe Church. Do come along and we'll explore some of these passages and find out what judgment is really about. But secondly, I want to say... Care for the justice of the hungry. Care for the justice of the hungry. Because whilst this parable is no doubt about, no doubt about it, it is about judgment, it very quickly moves to compassion. It very quickly moves to compassion. Care for the justice of the hungry. And we saw in the BMS videos, didn't we, uh, that part of what BMS are trying to do in Uganda is a justice issue. There are lawyers involved arguing on behalf of farmers about whose land it is. Um, and uh, we've already heard that, you know, Jake Berry is coming uh, to visit us in a couple of weeks' time. It's very easy for us to say, oh, we don't want to get involved in politics. We, we, we don't get involved in that sort of thing. Well, actually, we should do, because issues of justice are important to God. And what we see here and what we see in the world is injustice. We saw it with the, with the little parable that we had acted with the sweets this morning. Um, you know, there are people that take more than their fair share in this world, which means that others are left with very little. Issues of justice are important to God and therefore should be important to us. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. That's a justice issue. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. That's a justice issue. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. Do you notice that in this short parable, that list of things is repeated four times. Four times we get this list of things repeated with those who did and those who didn't. Do you think Jesus is trying to say... This is important. This is important. These are important issues. Care for the justice of the hungry is an important issue. 
Again, a, 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 a quote from uh, Rob Bell's book, Love Wins. Jesus did not use hell to try and compel heathens and pagans to believe in God so they wouldn't burn when they die. He talked about hell to very religious people to warn them about the consequences of straying from their God-given calling and identity to show the world God's love. It's interesting, sometimes what we tend to do when we read the Bible is we don't always take notice of the context into which Jesus is speaking. Jesus wasn't speaking to people who didn't believe in God. These parables about the end time were not told to those who perhaps the Jews and we would call outsiders. These parables were told to people who were inside These parables were told to people who believed very much in God, who believed that they were the people of God. And here Jesus is giving them a warning. Because what Jesus was saying wasn't something new. It wasn't something that they hadn't heard before. It wasn't something that they didn't know anything about. The Old Testament is is full of examples of what God's people were supposed to be doing. Uh, In Isaiah 58, here is the way I want you to fast. Set free those who are held by chains without any reason. Untie the ropes that hold people as slaves. Set free those who are crushed. Break every evil's chain. Share your food with the hungry. Provide homeless people with a place to stay. Give naked people clothes to wear. Does that sound vaguely familiar? Was Jesus telling them something that they ought to have already known, that throughout the Old Testament, God was calling his people to do these things. It was just expected that when somebody turned up in a strange town, that somebody would open up their home and invite them in. That was the the minimum requirement. It was expected that you would share your food with them, that you would offer people uh, the warmth of your home and clothes that you would share. Think of the story of the Good Samaritan. What was it the Good Samaritan did? He cared for the person that the other people walked back. Jesus had to remind the people again and again that our God is a God of justice and that part of our job is to show that we care for the people in this world. That we don't just care for each other, that we care for others as well. Care for the justice of the hungry. When people go to bed hungry at night, it's a justice issue. And we should care about that. And then finally, the third and final thing I want to talk about is share and bring joy to the hungry. Share and bring joy to the hungry. We're called to share our resources. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, Jesus says to the sheep I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Jesus is commending these acts of kindness in the people that he calls righteous. Share and bring joy to the hungry. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, 
when did we see you hungry and feed you, etc. Notice there is a surprise in this parable on both parts. Both the sheep and the goats are surprised, if not shocked, to find that what they have and haven't done has actually accounted for the judgment that is being made about them. There is that surprise element, which Liam Morris in his uh, book, The Gospel According to Matthew, suggests this. It shows clearly that their salvation, talking about the sheep, did not depend on their good works, their kindness to the needy, was not done in order to gain a reward and merit salvation, but it was part of the way they lived in response to what Christ had done for them. In other words, this is how they lived. They lived a life that helped those in need, naturally. Out of their commitment and relationship and thankfulness to what God had done for them, they automatically responded in sharing what they had with others. It wasn't something that they had to be told to do. At harvest, there's a sense in which I hope we don't have to tell you that it's a good idea to share your resources and to share your food with others. That it's something that will come naturally to us because of our relationship with Jesus. This is one of those passages that some uh, evangelicals get a little bit worried about because the stress and emphasis seems to be on works rather than salvation. But here, Liam Morris is reminding us that works are simply an outworking of our salvation. If we're people that are following Jesus, we can't just say that and not live it. We can't just say, I'm following Jesus, and then totally ignore where Jesus was going. And Jesus was was always reaching out to the poor. He was always reaching out to the sick. He was always reaching out to those who were on the outskirts. Those that were rejected by society. And we can't just ignore that and then say we're following Jesus. We've all seen the poster, haven't we? You know, with a judge standing there saying, you know, if you were convicted of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to find you guilty? This parable is about the evidence in the lives of the people, about how they're living their lives. And we know that how we live affects other people. It's so easy, isn't it, to think, well, those people in Uganda, they're so far away. What, nothing that we're doing is affecting them, but actually it does. The way that we live, the amount of food that we waste... The fact that we perhaps are not that concerned with political issues when our government decides they're going to do this or they're going to do that and how that affects other nations. When we go to war, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, you know, how uh, rich countries pick and choose their wars. Uh, not many people pick and choose to fight wars in Africa. Uh, they're more interested in fighting wars where there's perhaps gas or oil or riches at stake. Not many people want to get involved in Africa, but lots of uh, aid agencies are very involved in Africa because that is a, a continent where there is immense suffering on a daily basis. Share and bring joy to the hungry. That's the challenge. That's the challenge of this passage. It's a challenge to how we live on a daily basis. When was the last time that we fed the hungry? When was the last time that we gave water to the thirsty? You know, sometimes you just know when you're doing something uh, that it's the right thing to do. You know, when you see somebody, maybe in a city centre, who's homeless 
and you do something, it actually feels good, doesn't it? But I guess there's that battle going on now. Ah, he's probably just going to use whatever I give him for, to buy drink or drugs. And we can easily convince ourselves not to be kind and generous. I would much rather to be accused of being too kind, of being too generous, of being taken advantage of, than of being accused of standing in judgment of somebody who's in desperate need. If somebody sits on the floor in a car park in Burnley with a begging bowl, they're not in a good place. They might be on drugs, they might be uh, buying alcohol, but they're not in a good place. And if we pass judgment on that person, um, we'll just walk by on the other side. The challenge of this parable is a challenge about how we live and how we respond to the needs that we face on a daily basis. On a daily basis. The king will reply, tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. In some strange and miraculous way, when we do feed the hungry, when we do offer a cup of water to the thirsty, we are actually serving Christ. We are actually serving Christ. Because human beings are made in the image of God. And one of the challenges is, a difficult challenge in every human being is to see the image of God. To remember that this is a person that God made. And that God says that this person was made good. Circumstances and life may have treated this person badly. They might have been born in the wrong place. They might not have been brought up in a loving and caring home. They might have had all sorts of horrible things happen to them. But this is a person made in the image of God. And our job is to share and to love the people around us. So share and bring joy to the hungry.